Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, it's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. Let's talk about gold. Yeah, it's usually investors' go-to asset when you're faced with economic challenges or global issues that have disrupted the market. We've known this for years, right? With surging prices and markets facing uncertainty, some investors seek a safe investment with a history of excellent gains. That's where gold comes into the picture. Uh, but gold cannot offer you the means to significant profit. I mean, if you look at the last five years, gold prices have climbed about 36%. Or the S&P 500 has gained 104% in the same period. So with this in mind, looking to the future, what will be the relevance of gold as a strategic asset, especially this year, 2022? What sort of a strategic role does gold have in the portfolio of Singapore-based investors? Let's find out more from Andrew Naylor, who is regional CEO, APEC X China and Public Policy World Gold Council. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good morning, Elliot. Fine, thank you. Very well. So the World Gold Gold Council recently published a report that looks into the strategic role of gold in the portfolio of Singapore-based investors. To start us off, could you give us an overview of this report and what was the aim? Sure, yeah. It's basically looking at the case for holding gold. And we do this worldwide. We model the role that gold plays in hypothetical portfolios worldwide. Singapore is a major investment and wealth management centre. It's also a major centre for gold trading. So we, uh, our latest report looks at, looks at Singapore. And the findings are very similar. I mean, as you mentioned, there are other assets that can provide uh, returns. But we believe that gold has a fundamental role in the portfolio as, a, as an asset that can improve risk-adjusted returns. So I think the key points that we found were that one, gold is very liquid. Mm-hmm. So it trades about $145 billion every single day. So it's easy to get in and out of the gold market uh, quickly and when you want to. It's also an effective portfolio diversifier. And that's because it, it performs very, very differently to other asset classes. You mentioned uh, the S&P 500, yeah. but what you need to look at is, is correlations. And you need an effective diversifier uh, to mitigate some of that market risk, some of the volatility and so on. And gold can do that because it just doesn't have uh, the same demand profile that other assets have. So when the S&P 500's up, gold is often up because it has a pro-cyclical element. When the S&P 500 is down, uh, that's when gold's correlations start to change. And actually gold, because of its counter-cyclical component, can actually protect some of your wealth during those downturns. Yeah, I like the point that you just brought up because uh, that diversification is so important, especially when you consider that there are risky emerging market asset scenes here in Asia, not Singapore, but in Asia. This whole gold investment scene here in Singapore, I mean, how big is it? I bet it's more than just what I hear from uh, people above a certain age group who would say, oh, yeah, I better keep my gold because it'll be useful in the future. That's quite traditional thinking in that sense. Yeah, I mean, look, there's various different ways to access the gold market. I mean, there's the retail bar and coin market, which has, you know, has, is attractive to, to a certain part of the market. But also in, in Singapore, you have gold-backed ETFs that are listed here on the SGX, and they appeal to the more sophisticated individual investors, but also institutions as well. Uh, gold, it's not just a retail asset. We refer to gold as having a dual nature, and that it's both a consumer good and retail asset. So you've got that individual demand, which is often bar and coin and jewellery. 
Mm-hmm. And it's also an institutional asset, and major pension funds, institutional investors, central banks hold it as you know as a reserve asset. In fact, about 17% of, of demand for gold on average comes from central banks. So it has this dual nature as both an investment asset, institutional investment asset, and a retail investment asset. And we see that in Singapore with, you know, as I mentioned, you have the ETS listed here. Uh, you've got a very vibrant uh, bar coin and and jewellery market, which is more more retail focused. But also in Singapore, we're seeing now an increased prevalence of digital gold products. And by that, I mean, I don't mean that the underlying asset is digital. The underlying asset is still a very much a physical asset. But the way you access that gold market, the way you access gold is through a digital channel. So fintech or uh, through websites or an app on the mobile phone, this kind of thing. We're seeing because of Singapore's role as a major fintech hub, we're seeing actually quite a lot of regional gold players basing their operations here for basically to leapfrog into the wider ASEAN market, which is a is a huge retail gold market. Andrew, this is purely a curious <coughs> question, and if I'm bucking up the wrong tree, just let me know. Is there a base case for, I mean, when we talked about accessing it digitally, a base case for gold and blockchain to have some kind of a correlation? Well, I mean, there's two elements to this. So sure. I think there's one question about, you know, Bitcoin and gold, whether they are, you know, similar assets. No, there's no, they're very, very, they're fundamentally different. I mean, cryptocurrencies, they're playing a role in people's portfolios, but they're very, very different assets. So you just need to look at the the demand profile. Gold is a physical asset, but you've got jewellery demand. You've got technology demand, which accounts for about 7% of annual demand. You've got central bank demand, and you've got retail and institutional investment demand. For cryptocurrencies, it's more really, it's speculative. It's more Mm. of uh, investment demand. So because of that different demand profile, it means that the cryptocurrencies are much more correlated with the wider economy, whereas gold is less so. So gold can be considered an effective diversifier, for example. It can be considered a safe haven, especially in its physical form. When you own it outright, you've got no counterparty risk. Mm. So they both play a role, but different roles. And we would actually say, you know, if you're loading up on crypto, that's not without risk. You've got regulatory risk. You've got tax risk. In some markets now, they're they're implementing new tax regimes for for cryptocurrencies. And gold can mitigate against some of that risk. If you are holding crypto, you might want to think about holding gold as well to mitigate some of that. I think that's the first point. The second point, though, is about blockchain, the technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I do think that, and we're actually looking at this, there there is a role for for blockchain or, or more broadly distributed ledger technologies to improve the functioning of the gold market. Uh, so deploying those technologies to make gold more accessible, for example, more tradable on a 24-7 uh, basis. And also for tracking, a, a big issue for investors now is about provenance, it's about supply chain integrity, it's about broader ESG considerations. And the, the great thing about blockchain and uh, distributed ledger technologies is that they're actually an enabler of greater supply chain transparency so that you could use this technology for example to in much more granular detail track gold as it moves through the supply chain know who's traded it know who's custodied it uh, to make sure that you understand the origin of, of, of the gold and this is really really important now for investors um, not just in the gold market but more broadly consumers worldwide are asking you know when they're investing in something or consuming something where has it come from what has the ESG impact of that been? And, and the great thing about blockchain and distributed ledger technology is that, that actually we can provide or it enables us to provide this kind of level of information that, that investors and consumers now demand. 
I'm glad you bring that up because I wanted to ask, as far as the ESG side or goal and ESG are concerned, um, what is the challenge now and where are we at now in terms of being able to invest and understand that we are investing in, let's call it ethical gold? That's a great question. And there, there are different elements to ESG. So first of all, you've got the climate change considerations, which is top of mind. And it's a hugely important issue, but it's not the only ESG issue. But looking at climate change, we've done a lot of work to quantify basically the scope one, two and three emissions of the, of the, of the gold industry so that investors know what the climate impact of the industry of, as, as a whole is. And when you invest in a bar, uh, what the average carbon output of that that would be and actually it's quite compared to other major asset classes it's quite favorable if you think about it once you once you've invested in physical gold and it's sitting there in a vault there's very little i guess further carbon impact or esg externalities whereas if you're investing in you know in equity the underlying asset is continually producing it's continually I guess, I guess, affecting the environment. That's one area. Yeah. But the second area is, is the broader piece about corporate governance, about illicit trade, about responsible sourcing, about making sure that the that the gold you're you're purchasing hasn't, for example, funded conflict in high risk uh, conflict areas and so on. And internationally, there is a an international system for for making sure that gold that an investor or individual purchases it has been responsibly sourced. It's something called the London Good Delivery List, Good Delivery Bars. Uh, there's a list of refiners, basically, that adhere globally uh, to responsible sourcing standards. This this list, it's, it's, it's pretty much universally accepted. So the major refiners are on this list, and you know, it's easy to... Uh, to find out that the SBMA, which is the local Singapore Bullion Market Association, they have their own good delivery list as well, which is which is which is similar. It's the same same list basically. Mm. And, uh, so, so I would urge um, people looking into this to to look at the SBMA website and look at that list of refiners and uh, purchase accordingly. Uh, safe to say that, I mean, when we're talking about this shift, this greater integration of ESG objectives and investing in gold or strategies investing in gold, it really is all down to information provided, right? Yeah, that's right. And investors are now, they're expecting a greater level of granularity when it comes to data and information about not just the performance of a financial asset, and this isn't just specific to gold, but more broadly, but also uh, the broader ESG considerations. And when it's a physical asset, the uh, considerations around responsible sourcing and, and the supply chain as well. And if you, if you look at internationally now, trillions of dollars of assets have some kind of ESG lens applied to them. In, in some markets, it's Almost 60% of professionally managed assets now have a you know have ESG considerations, and this this is only growing. There's some research that was published a couple of years ago by the RBC, which is looking at investors in Singapore, for example, and they found that it was over three quarters of investors in Singapore now prioritise uh, ESG considerations, and the only way that those priorities can be can be satisfied and met is through information and data and transparency and so on. And we're seeing worldwide a move by corporate governance authorities, by the exchanges, by producers themselves, by the banks to uh, try and harmonize reporting um, and also uh, not just harmonize reporting, but also increase the the level of transparency that they're providing to uh, to investors. Just a bit of a jump back here, uh, Andrew. Um, 
Your thoughts on what draws Singapore investors to keep going back to invest in gold? And, you know, more broadly, what's your outlook, you know, as far as gold is as an asset class for this year, 2022? Okay, so first of all, uh, why is gold of interest? goes back to this risk-adjusted returns piece. And our research yeah, okay. shows that a modest allocation, I mean, in Singapore, it's between about 3 and 8% of a, of a standard portfolio. Held in gold would increase your risk-adjusted returns. It's liquid. It doesn't provide an income, but it does provide returns over time, as you, as you mentioned. And it can, it can be considered a, a risk mitigator and a safe haven asset, especially in its, its physical form. So that's, the, that's sort of the, the reason why... Um, individual institution investors hold gold, not just in Singapore, but, but worldwide. The, the arguments are the same. It's, the numbers are slightly different in terms of what the optimal allocation would be, depending on the you know, typical portfolio in that country. Um, but the other question is, <clears throat> um, it, you know, is, is regarding um, um, not just you know, why investors um, uh, hold gold, but in terms of the, the outlook, and there are a number of drivers this year. I mean, one is, uh, I think the major driver is inflation. Uh, we've also got geopolitical um, uh, issues that are driving uh, more recent interest in gold. Um, but the longer term story is, is definitely inflation. I mean, we've done a lot of work around gold as an inflation hedge and in periods of, of low inflation. So that's when inflation is about 3% or, or less. Gold, on average, uh, provides returns of close to 8 9% on an annual basis. So this is an average. Of course, you get volatility year to year. But if you look at the longer-term average in low inflation, it's 3% or less, it's around about an 8 9% return on gold. When inflation is high, so when inflation is, is 3% or above, uh, gold, on average, provides 13% in terms of returns. So gold, it's not the only inflation hedge. There are other inflation hedges out there, but it's, it, is, it, it is considered by many as an, as an effective inflation hedge. And that will be the bigger driver of uh, investment interest in gold. The other element I would mention as well is we are thankfully, you know, over the worst of COVID, Singapore's Singapore's growing as a, other major markets. There's a recovery in consumer uh, sentiment and so on. And that will drive interest in gold, particularly in the wider ASEAN markets where retail investment is the bigger component of gold demand. And the bigger driver of that is consumer sentiment. So as economies continue to open up as we are over the hill of COVID, if you like, that will support consumer demand. Institution interest in gold will be driven primarily by inflation. That will be the um, tailwind. Interest rates are always a headwind for gold. So you get this bit of tug of war between inflation and interest rates. But really, the big story at the moment is inflation. That will drive institutional Mm -hmm. interest in gold. And on the consumption side, so bar, coin, jewellery, even technology demand, which I mentioned accounts for about 7% of annual demand, this will be primarily driven by economies continuing to recover. So as consumers buy more, they obviously purchase more gold, but they also purchase goods that use gold as a as a component. So, you know, for example, um, high end electronics and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it is, you know, safe to say, uh, so far going to stand the test of time. Andrew Naylor, Regional CEO, APEC X China and Public Policy, World Gold Council on the line with me. Andrew, I appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.